Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Thursday afternoon in lockdown. <laughs> here we are. We're still here. Still broadcasting from the comfort of uh, quite a comfortable chair, actually, without any need to leave the building. How's that? Isn't that amazing what technology does? Don't have to, I'm not sitting in the studio, don't have to leave my house, do have to get the kids to be quiet, that's true. And yet we have the opportunity to connect, and I know everybody thinks tomorrow, tomorrow's the big day, everything is going to come alive, we'll go back to normal. Hold your horses, don't get carried away, let's do this responsibly. Welcome aboard, you're with Rabbi Shishla until 3 o'clock, as always. The conversation is a conversation, it's not just a monologue, so I'd, I'd love, as I always do, to invite your comment and your participation. Make sure you have those numbers handy. For SMSs, you use 34519. For Telegram messages, 0618951019. And you can tweet at FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Before we get you started today, following on from last week's theme, reflections and lessons from lockdown, I have a specific lesson that I'd like to explore with you. But just before that, I have one Curiosity, one thing that I'm wondering about. And in fact, I had this conversation just a little bit earlier with my wife. The conversation is this. Do most people listen to the radio when they're in their car? And the reason that that question is relevant is because, and I'd like your feedback. Are you listening? Well, I mean, obviously, if you're listening, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this. The question is if you'll respond. Because I'm curious if people listen to radio now, especially as we have it as streaming, in the comfort of your own home. Nobody's cranking up the old wireless, I don't think. But if you are listening, do me a favor, just for interest's sake, send a message on Telegram, it doesn't cost you anything, 061-895-1019, and just simply say, listening. Because it's just market research. Are people on board? And then, of course, it's nice to know that there are people interacting. We will, I'm sure, see some messages and thoughts in just a moment. We're going to pass our... Pass Sorry, not pass on. We're going to, I think Pesach is still on my head. We're going to continue along the lines of last week's conversation, which is lessons from lockdown. I have a specific lesson I'd like to share with you today and like to hear your thoughts on. So we'll come to that in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So yeah, here we are, still uh, sitting at home. Right. Although I have to be honest, I did need to go out to the pharmacy earlier, and I was surprised at how many, how much traffic there is out there. Not a good thing, I don't think. You know, obviously you, people have to do things. You've got to do things. But I'm talking about foot traffic, people walking, jogging, exercise tomorrow between six and nine. We know. So yeah, definitely, definitely something to discuss. But that is not what we're going to discuss today. I have a very interesting thought process that's been percolating and I think that there's clearly a very strong Torah view on this or there should be but then that's exactly what we're going to debate so here we are in a situation where a lot of the amenities that we are used to are currently inaccessible so you can go to the shops and you can get essential items and that conversation around essential items is also not common across the board what some people will consider essential items may be things that other members of our society never have. 
So that's already a thought right there. And of course, we are unable to travel. And I don't know when we're going to be able to travel, certainly internationally. This could be quite a long way away. Usually at this time of the year, usually you already hear people talking just a little bit. What are you doing in December? Where are you going to be? Is it going to be, I don't know, <clears throat> taking the kids to Disney? Is it going to be going to Thailand? You know, there's a, there's, that's how we are as a society, us as the northern suburbs, uh, us as the Jewish community. You know, there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of visiting abroad, people celebrating bar mitzvahs in Israel. Just going to visit family, which I don't think is extravagant. I think that that's something extremely important. So now we can't do these things, and we don't know when next we'll be allowed to do these things. And then if you had a simcha that was scheduled for this period, like my nephew, whose bar mitzvah was supposed to be now, and this evening I've got another bar mitzvah, will be, I've kind of lost count of what number Zoom bar mitzvah is. Got one this evening, got one tomorrow. I was talking to somebody earlier this weekend, they had a bris in the family, and he made a comment, fascinating, said, Obviously, the, the bris was just the immediate family, and the boil came, and everybody wore their, their masks. And, and something funny happened, because there were all these people obviously participating virtually, and you can never compare what it's like to have people looking at you on a screen and wishing you mazel tov, regardless of where they are in the world. You can never compare that to having people in the room and being able to actually celebrate together and hug and so on. But the, this person did comment that they couldn't get over how little they paid for this bris <laughs> because it was just the family. They went and they got a couple of bagels and some dips and zehuze. You know, that was the whole thing. So it's really got me thinking right now. And it's, it's been a few weeks of this. And the reality is that it could still be quite a few weeks of living with many limitations. So it has to make you reevaluate. Surely it has to make you rethink what is the lifestyle that we need to live. There's the lifestyle that we've become accustomed to living. And dare I say, there's an expectation that people have keeping up with the Cohen's. There's that expectation that, you know, well, so-and-so is going there on holiday. What about us? And they're driving that car. What about us? And their simcha is so magnificent. What about ours? So, he has a wonderful opportunity for us to press the reset button and to rethink, to rethink how we live and what our expectations are. I feel that we've overextended ourselves as a community. We've created this ever-increasing expectation of what you need in order for a simcha to happen. Now, I have to tell you something, and I shared this with, with my community in, in a WhatsApp earlier today. I have to share something. Everybody's looking for different things to do in order to entertain themselves and to entertain their families during this period. We're less time in the car, so we have more free time in spite of the fact that the kids are in virtual school. The reality is we still have extra time. And I know many people, we've done it for sure, pull out the old family videos. And it's a wonderful opportunity to sit as a family and to look, you know, watch things that happen. So we were doing this the other day. And there was a, a simcha, it was my younger brother's optionish when he turned three and he had his first haircut. And we happened to watch that video. And I was sitting there with my children watching that video. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating to me, but it was even more fascinating to watch their reactions. It was fascinating. You look back 
And what was the nature of the Simcha? So it was very simple. It was in my parents' house. And obviously people came and they participated in the Simcha. The catering was homemade, from what I could tell from the video. I don't remember exactly, but it looked like it was mostly homemade. I'm sure some of the things were bought in. But that's not the point. The point is watching that Simcha. My children were gobsmacked because they noticed a few things. The first thing that they noticed is that there was no decor. It was just, there was some food set up. People came in. They enjoyed the food. They set a lechaim. They socialized. The first thing they noticed was there was no decor. Now, today in our simchas, we spend an untold fortune on decor. You do have to ask yourself the question, how integral is that to the simcha? Is it possible to have a simcha without decor? Well, there you go. There was the video evidence. There was a simcha without decor. That was the first point. The second thing that they noticed was nobody seemed to be in a rush. So people came. It must have been during the week. It was an evening during the week. And people arrived. And they milled about. And they didn't fly out of there as soon as possible. And we were talking about the fact that there probably was not much else to do. TV was limited in those days. I don't remember exactly what TV was available. But nobody was under that kind of pressure that we live under now where I'm I'm here, but I've got to be somewhere else. And I've got this important call that I'm expecting from overseas. And I've got that particular event that I've got to get to. And there's so many similar simultaneously. It was very relaxed. People were there. And they were in the experience. They were in the moment. That was incredible. And that obviously leads to the next very obvious observation. that Nobody had a device. It didn't exist. And people were talking. This is probably one of the things that opened my children's eyes the most. The way that people were at a public event. They were at a simcha. The simcha was in somebody's house. That already blew their minds. And the simcha was... That people were talking. That was the simcha. There was no fancy entertainment. There was a cassette tape playing music in the background. Obviously, at some point, somebody had to have turned that tape over, probably off camera because we didn't see that happen. And that was it. That was the event. You came, you cut the little boy's hair, you had something to eat, you said a lachaim, and then you schmoozed. You just spent time in each other's company. And that's such a long way away from how our simchas have become productions. And there's a whole team and they come and they set it up and there's props and there's decor and it's, it becomes a little bit forced, no? So I think one of the things that we should reflect on during this period of being a bit more minimalistic in our lives, this is a wonderful opportunity to ask ourselves some hard-hitting questions as individuals and as a community. Are we, is it necessary to spend in the way that we do? I'm using simchas as an example. It's not the only example, but let's talk about simchas first because a simcha is a celebration. What an amazing thing. So that's what's on my mind. And I really would love to hear your thoughts and insight on this. And perhaps you have strong feelings in either direction. In that case, that'd be great. We'd love some strong feelings. 34519, if you're going to send an SMS, you can send a message on Telegram using 0618951019, or you could tweet at Chai FM, you could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. 
So here's a time for us to be introspective, and it's not always so easy to be introspective, right? Especially when there's enough external pressure. My goodness, they're telling us that we can't move. They're telling us we can't run our businesses. They're telling us we can't send our children to school. And then over and above that, you want me to be introspective? Yes, exactly. It's a perfect opportunity. The Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, the first Chabad Rebbe, writes in his book of Tanya, that generally speaking, a person should always be in a very upbeat, optimistic, joyous disposition. That's what the Torah expects of us. But, he says, should there be circumstances that force you to be more introspective? Should there be circumstances that make you feel a little bit unsure of yourself or maybe even a little bit disappointed? That's a great time to capture the moment, use the energy, and be pensive, be reflective. Be introspective, not a bad thing. So I think that that's exactly where we are now. The minute we've been put into a situation, not by our choosing, but we've been put into a situation where we have to live a little bit more simply and we can't do as we please. And all those people, and I really, I must be honest, I feel for the boys and the girls who had their barmies and batties that were scheduled and there were events and there was going to be music. And I really feel for them because when you've built up an expectation, particularly when you're at that very sensitive age, it's a major disappointment to have that taken away. So this is not intended in, by any means to minimize the disappointment and the upset for those kids. And please, God, the time will come and they'll have their moment and they'll have their simcha and it will be great. That's not this conversation. This conversation is, and I'll be honest, long before this lockdown, this is something that has played very, very much on my mind. And it's something which I, I really think we needed the, the correction. To have a simcha does not mean that you have to have this overblown experience. It doesn't have to be extravagant in order to be joyous. In fact, on the contrary, sometimes when it's too much about the materialism and too much about the presentation and too much about the perfection of exactly how each thing is going to be laid on the table. It actually generates a lot of stress. A good old-fashioned simcha. So I'll go back to this uh, video that we were watching with the kids. And in the middle of the whole thing, everybody's just doing their thing and they're talking and they're enjoying each other's company. And then one of the teenagers casually walks over to the piano in the house and starts playing. And it was unscripted, it was completely spontaneous, and it was magnificent, it was beautiful. And this is not only a financial question. I do think that there's a big financial component over here. Unfortunately, there are people we know in our own communities who land up in financial distress because they feel that there's an expectation of what kind of a lifestyle do I have to live? What kind of things do I need to have in order to be considered okay? What kind of a show do I have to put on at my, at my simcha so that my child doesn't feel embarrassed because all the other friends had X and they didn't? So th that's obviously the, the financial is the big component that we're speaking about here. But in, in all of that, maybe we lose, not maybe, I think we definitely lose some of the realism of it. The good old, like that, to me, that moment watching this video, I even forgot, I'd forgotten that it had happened. But there's this guy, he's a, he's a young guy, he wasn't the best musician on the planet. In fact, I happen to know that he had, he had never had a musical lesson in his life, he just happened to have a good ear for music. Kid walks over to the piano, starts playing. And everybody gathers around the piano and they tell him, please play this song and how about that song and people sing along. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. In this quest to fill our lives with 
things, things that we've been told are worth having, things that everybody else has. Do you have the latest? I mean, what's going to happen if the new releases of all the phones can't reach us because of coronavirus? Then what? What's going to happen to us? Is, is life going to be less worthwhile because we can't get the latest version of the phone? Is, is life going to be less worthwhile because our fancy car that, that we like to drive around in has to sit in the garage like somebody told me the other day? He gets three weeks to the gallon at the moment, which I, I thought that was really nice. I thought it was a great way to capture it uh, because we can't necessarily – I mean, look at it. How have we dressed over the last five weeks? Yeah, whatever. Whatever's comfortable. You put it on. You look presentable. If you have to go into a Zoom meeting or Skype, whatever the case is, you make sure that you don't look like you're falling to pieces. But none of this obsession with the brand label and with the exact fashion that I have to be wearing – I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have nice things. I don't think that's a Jewish view that you have to be a hermit. Maybe there was a time that that was appropriate, and we don't live in that time any longer. And the greatest proof of the fact that we no longer live in that time is the fact that Hashem has made things accessible to us that previous generations didn't have. But this obsession and, and almost compulsion, I have to be, I have to have, People use that expression. I have to. I have to this particular brand of coffee and that particular kind of clothing and this particular experience of a simcha. I, I think we've got a great opportunity right now. I think as a community, as a global community, we have a wonderful opportunity right now to stop and say, what is normal? And what do I require? And can we stop this competitiveness? You know, one of the promises about the time of Mashiach is that there will be loikina veloitacharus. How do you know that you're living in the time of Mashiach? There'll be no envy and no competition. And I really believe we can create that. It is possible right now for us to create it. You know, we talk about Mashiach and we talk about this futuristic ideal that there'll be a messianic age as if somebody's going to swoop out of the heavens and solve our life for us. That's not Judaism. Judaism says when we solve our life, Hashem will send us this messianic figure who will be able to take us into a whole different experience. Once we achieve, and it's, it's fundamental to Judaism, that the messianic experience is our achievement. It's not some gift. Pesach, the first time the Jews were released from exile, that was Hashem's gift. And it came with its incredible, uh, incredible value and with its challenges. But we're told clearly that when Mashiach comes, it will be 100% ours. We'll own it. We'll be able to turn around and say, we did this. So Mashiach is an unfolding of a different way of life, a more conscious way of life, a God-centric way of life, a way of life that you and I can choose to start to live now. You don't have to wait for a catalyst on the calendar that says, Mashiach is here. You start living Mashiach and then Mashiach comes. So one of those Mashiach-like things is That's the wording of the Rambam Maimonides. It says in the time of Mashiach there will be no envy and there will be no competition. Right now there is no envy and no competition. Certainly not in the same degree as it was two months ago. Right now every kid is having a Zoom, Bar Mitzvah, Bat Mitzvah, Bris, Obshinish, whatever it is. It's all common denominator. Everybody's on an equal playing field. Doesn't matter who you are, where your family lives, whether you have the ability to bring them to join your simcha or not. It doesn't matter which caterer you had booked and which venue it was going to be at. Doesn't matter which band was going to play. Right now, it's a Zoom bar mitzvah. 
and you say a few words and the boy gets to read his portion or the girl gets to deliver her Devar Torah or whatever it is that you intend, hopefully everybody else behaves. You mute all the participants. Incredible concept. A simcha where the majority of the participants have to be silent. That is so antithetical, but that's subject for another conversation. And then you... At some point, when it's all over, you unmute everybody and everybody sings and it sounds terrible because there's lag and people are singing at different paces because of the latency of the internet connection. And that's that. And 45 minutes later, you go back and you continue doing And, and this is across the board and it's inescapable. We're all in the same boat. There's no envy and there's no competition. How wonderful would it be if we could carry that over after this? Standardize, make things accessible across the board, one side. Not that you have to have the same style. Every person is unique. Every simcha should be unique. But let's keep it within a certain range that's, that's accessible and affordable to people. I really think that that's something that we should consider. Okay, so I'm not the only one who has an opinion. I see there are some messages that have come through, which is great. If you've got a thought on this, Three four five one nine. Send an SMS. You can send a message via Telegram also on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine, or you could tweet me, or you could tweet at Rabbi Shish. If you live alone, especially during this time, then you need to know about the Chai FM Helpline check-in service. Our counselors will give you a call on a regular basis to check in and make sure that you're okay. It is available to anyone of any age who feels the need for it. So you may contact just simply by calling the helpline on 0800-242436. That's 0800-242436. High FM 101.9 megahertz of serving the community. And you can make a difference during the COVID-19 pandemic with Discam. Your discount benefit points can now go towards supporting the independent solidarity fund set up by the president. Discam is matching rand for rand all point donations and they have kickstarted it with an upfront two million rand. Money's raised will go towards saving lives and assisting people in need. So you can donate now by converting your points via the Discam app or website. Together we are stronger. Together we can overcome the pandemic. Discam. Pharmacists who care. So, yeah, it is uh, just halfway. If you've just joined us, it's fresh thinking. It's Thursday. It's fresh thinking. You're with Rabbi Shishla. We're together until 3 o'clock. Here's a lovely message from John who says, I am listening in the car because I did ask who's listening and are you listening? And if people are not in the car, does that mean they're not listening? And then John says, in the bad old days, you appreciated any simcha. How true? How true is that? And of course, bad old days is, in quotation marks, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of sarcasm there. They weren't so bad those old days. So we did, we did, we appreciated the simcha because we weren't necessarily so focused on posing for the cameras and the Instagram posts and looking at what outfit everybody's wearing and, uh, <clears throat> making sure that all the pieces are in place. You know, the decor and the band must play at exactly the right time. We actually just enjoyed the simcha. I think we might have lost our way. Uh, I, I really do. I think we might have lost our way. You know, once upon a time, there was a, something called the Vaad Arba Arotsois. Back in the day, a couple hundred years ago, 
there were these four major Jewish communities in Europe, and they had an oversight committee. And one of their jobs was to standardize the maximum that a person could invest in a simcha. And if you chose that you were going to go above that standard, so it was kind of, again, not, not everybody's going to have the same simcha. It's got to have personality. It must have an identity. But there was a certain cap. And if you wanted to spend over that cap, you had to match it, whatever the currency was. I don't know what the currency was. But whatever the currency was, you had to match it back for back. Whatever you invested in your simcha over that capped amount that was the standardized simcha, you had to give the equivalent amount to the communal coffers in order to support the community, which I think is a wonderful idea, don't you think? Wonderful idea. A few comments coming through. Here's somebody who says that it is a choice. Some do. Some do live too extravagantly. Some don't. But losing our ability to be with people is not an extravagance. It is an essential human requirement for survival. I don't think anybody will debate that. I really don't. I think everybody would agree that to be able to have interaction with human beings is something that we need in order to survive. Aren't we fortunate? Aren't we fortunate that we live in the technological age? Yes, I know. You'll never compare a WhatsApp call or a Zoom conference to an in-person physical experience. 100%. But at least we're not completely alone. You know, recently at the beginning of this whole lockdown, somebody circulated. I was fascinated by this. Somebody circulated a piece of history. So this goes back to, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was. But the, this is when there was a Jewish settlement in Sfat, a big Jewish community living in Sfat. Must be, must be about 400 years ago. And they write about the fact that they had to spend from Purim until the holiday of Shavuot, so that's kind of the period that, that we're dealing with right now, in total lockdown in Tiberias because there was an epidemic. And in, there, in those days, lockdown meant things like not having food and certainly no real human contact. So we are fortunate. We are fortunate that at least today we have the opportunity to be able to connect to each other in a variety of ways, which is a huge, huge blessing. Without that, I don't know what we'd be doing. So yes, that's a, that's a good point. We do know not everybody's the same and obviously people are different. I'm asking in a general sense because I've, I feel quite strongly that the community has become a community of excess and that we do overextend ourselves. And I think many people who right now are feeling the financial pinch, one of the reasons they're doing so is because they've overextended themselves and it's reminiscent of things that have happened previously in history. You know, if you look in the Torah, the Torah uses this expression. It says, Hatsneya leches im elokecha. That when you walk with Hashem, you walk modestly, humbly. Not about splurging and splashing yourself all over the place. It's humble, it's understated. Now there's another interpretation of that. Hatsneya leches. If you can live in a more modest, humble way, then im elokecha. Then you're with God. Almost as if to say, if we overstate ourselves and we make everything so big, beautiful, exciting, over the top, and that becomes our expectation, could well be that we actually start edging God out just a little bit. You know, God should be our focus, not so much the production that we're going to put on. What's a simcha? Simcha is an opportunity to celebrate the blessings in our lives. That's what it should be about. And some people get this so right, and their simchas are so beautiful you can tell that it's a celebration of blessing. It's gratitude to Hashem. It's gratitude to people who are significant in their life. And they use it as an opportunity to make you feel simcha. 
And then unfortunately, there are other kinds of simchas where it's about an expectation and, and, and having the spotlight on ourselves and look what we've achieved. It's, it's quite something. And the fact that we have an opportunity right now to reflect means that we have an opportunity to shift this. We do have an opportunity to shift it. And we really should take that opportunity. Um, I, I was, I was reading that quite a number of times people would communicate and they would correspond with the Rebbe and they would ask, you know, for a blessing before their marriage and so on. Quite a number of times the Rebbe's response to the parents in particular was that rather than take that big amount of money and invest it in this massive party, they should actually take the money and invest it in the couple's future. Now, of course, you'll always be able to turn around and say, yes, but the kind of money, it's not going to carry them. Well, I know that's true. We took a portion of the celebration spend and we invested it instead in putting a couple on their feet or just helping with a few household items that might last them. We know, I'm sure you have the same experience. We have certain gifts that we were given for our wedding and we still use them till today, like really valuable things. So it's possible to invest in things that are for the long term. So that's another perspective on it. Like where, where, where should this money go? Here's another one. A very, very interesting one. The Talmud says, I say Shabbat, I think it's very relevant, by the way, for what's going on right now. I say Shabbat Chochoyl, which basically means that if a person is in a financially compromised position, then what they should do is they should make their Shabbos as simple as an ordinary weekday, rather than land up in a situation where they need others to assist them financially. Now, there unfortunately are people at the moment who really need financial help. It's a difficult time for a lot of people. And nobody's going to judge somebody who needs financial help. On the contrary, our responsibility is to help them. For ourselves, each one of us, when we're being introspective, looking in the mirror, that line from the Talmud speaks volumes. Rather simplify your own life than land up in a situation that you might ever need assistance. So you think, you know, sometimes to make a, a simcha, got to borrow a little bit over here, need a little bit of assistance. Is that how it should be? Or is it just that we've created an expectation that if your simcha doesn't make the cut, well, maybe it's not such a simcha. So that, I really think, is something we should be thinking about. What about your thoughts? There are a few other messages that have come through, which we will get to momentarily if you haven't done so and you still would like to. Well, you know how to do it. 34519 is the SMS line. The telegram number is 0618951019. And tweets go at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, wow. Isn't it interesting how diverse opinions can be? So, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that this is a great opportunity for us to rethink. I'm really convinced that we can scale back. This is not to say that we don't live well. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying specifically that we don't live beyond our means. I used Simchas as an example. The truth is there are other examples as well. There's no question about it. As far as the Torah is concerned, halachically, a person is not permitted to put themselves into a position. You're just not allowed to do it. Put yourself into a position where you carry heavy debt. It's just not the Jewish way. There are certain circumstances where that is required, yes. Uh, you know, even to help somebody else, funnily enough. There are amazing stories in our history of people who borrowed money in order to be able to lend money to people in need. That's true. 
but to live in an extravagant way where I, I challenge anybody actually. I challenge anybody to provide a Torah source. I'd love if you could do this, by the way. Anybody to provide a Torah source that says it is justified to live beyond one's means. I'd love to have an example of that. I mean, you look at Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was a great rabbi. He was the leader of the Jewish people at an important time in Jewish history. He was incredibly close to the Roman leadership. He was a personal friend of Marcus Aurelius, the Caesar. And they say, they tell a story that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, he had to live extravagantly. It was a requirement of the job. He mixed with the highest levels of society. He had to look the part. He had to dress the part. He had to serve a menu that in those days was an unthinkable menu. Nobody could afford the kind of things that he put on his table. And yet, the story they tell is that he wore these golden shoes, but they didn't have proper soles. So that as much as he needed to dress the part for his particular role, he reminded himself at all times that I have to be grounded. It's not a, this is, For me personally, that's not how I should be living my life. But this is what's interesting about it because he has another comment. Um, he has a comment from Shoshana who says, this is all part of the mind control to condition us to lower our expectations and accept less freedom and prosperity. Now, I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. Prosperity is good. The Torah believes in prosperity. The Torah says, Aser to Aser, give charity, and you can challenge Hashem to say, pay me back, and more so. In other words, there's an expectation of prosperity. We have no issue with prosperity whatsoever. We, but we do have an issue with creating an expectation in society that in order to be valued, in order to be recognized in a society, you have to live at a certain level. You have to have a certain Amount of, uh, I don't want to say the word show, but that's, that's kind of what it is, right? There's certain things that you have to do in order to be considered, in order to be accepted, in order to be on the par in our society. Where, where in Torah do we ever have a precedent for that kind of a behavior? Where in Judaism is that kind of thing taught? It's not. Modesty is taught. Modesty is taught. Charity is taught. You, you want to have a simcha? By all means, use that opportunity to go and help people. Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a simcha. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be a beautiful simcha. But I'm saying it shouldn't come at the cost of pushing ourselves beyond what we can actually do because there's an expectation. And the same thing applies to a million other examples. I'm just using the simcha because I think it's one of the most emotive topics. And it's one that we find so difficult to move from. Here's Liz who says, I'm just having this discussion with my kids. We don't need the constantly packed schedules. We don't need at least half of our closets. You know, I'm so glad you brought up this point of the constantly packed schedules. That's another form of living extravagantly. Who says that we have to constantly run from this thing to that, from this extramural to the next extramural? Who says we need it? Who says that our children have to be best at everything, at least in our imagination? Because sometimes I think we're just living vicariously through our children. And the truth is they're never going to become that world-class athlete or that that uh, incredible, I don't know what all the different extramurals are. So sometimes we just, I don't know, what is it? What is this expectation that they have to be doing a million different things every single day of the week? Who says? Who says we need such an incredible, I like that. A packed schedule. Who says we need that? You know, what, what does the Mishnah say in Pirkei Avos, the ethics of the Father, something that we're studying at this time of the year. In fact, we're going to be doing that particular chapter next week. Ezehu Ashir. 
who is wealthy, the person who is joyous with what they have, with their portion. Unfortunately, many people translate that Mishnah as he who is satisfied with his life. That's not what it says. It says you celebrate within your lot. There's some, for some reason, there's this predominant psychology that says, if I want to have simcha, I need that. I'll be happy when I have that. It's terrible. It creates such an, a, a stress and so much anxiety. Like I need to have this and I need to have that and then I'll be happy. And if I'm doing X and I'm doing Y and the next, or my child is doing X and Y and Z, then I'll be happy. It's not a Jewish perspective. So meach bechel koi, that the ultimate experience of joy comes from wherever you are, where you draw your happiness. And, and you'll see this, you'll see this so clearly, you'll see so clearly that people who are constantly chasing have a more difficult time with simcha, especially if they have to put themselves in financially difficult situations. Here's somebody, I think he prefers that I keep it anonymous, but he says, weddings, bar mitzvahs, bristas, etc. have become, in my opinion, ridiculous shows. Communal organizations see the ridiculous amount of pressure that people feel to keep up with the Joneses, or as I say, keep up with the Cohens. And I fear that in a society that is now being stretched, this may, God forbid, widen the gap and increase the pressure if we don't wake up. I think absolutely, I'm 100% on that page. 100% on that page. I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to re-educate ourselves. I think as communal leaders, as rabbis and other communal leaders, we have a responsibility to re-educate our communities. And I think we need to encourage each other to say, it's okay. You don't have to be over the top. Look at this. We're getting by. We're creating simchas that are nice. They're beautiful in the framework of what we can do right now. So we're doing the best Zoom barmi that we can possibly do right now. When it's all over, why don't we just make the nicest simcha that we can have without having to break the bank? It's, it, it's just, it, it seems so rational and it seems so obvious and it seems like we've been given this incredible blessing of the opportunity to take the foot off the pedal and to be able to say, whoa, hang on. Who says it needs to be this way? Let's make an unstated pact between us that it's acceptable to have a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah or a bris or a wedding of this caliber. And that's it. It's acceptable. It's now acceptable. We can tone it down. We can all survive. We can all manage. I think it would be an amazing outcome amongst others. There's so much opportunity during this experience of lockdown and coronavirus. We have so many opportunities, should we choose to use them, just to rethink, just to recalibrate. And this thing, this overspending, communal simchas being one of those, same people who are battling to pay school fees but having extravagant simchas, why does it have to be that way? Why? Why can't I just say, I don't have to do it? Don't have to do it. It will be a beautiful simcha anyway. I'd love to hear your thoughts, even though I, I suspect that some people prefer not to share their thoughts on this particular subject. But if you're brave enough, 34519, send an SMS or Telegram on 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. It's interesting that we're having a conversation about simchas during the Omer when most of us don't have simchas anyway, right? Because you don't have music and it's a scaled down simcha. Ma ba mitzvah. Actually, it's ma ba mitzvah portion this Shabbos. So it brings back the memories. 
my bar mitzvah was during the Omer. So we had a tea at home in my parents' garden. It wasn't an option to have music because it was during the Omer. I mean, today we have these crazy scheduling and pushing out people's bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs to months after their, their actual birth date because they can't have it during the Omer because who would ever consider having a celebration without music? I mean, it's quite something, actually, when you think about it. So it's it's apt. It's apt that we should have this conversation during the Omer. We're told that Rabbi Akiva's students who passed away during this time, the reason why there are restrictions on simchas, the reason they all died is because they didn't show appropriate respect to each other. I think one of the ways that we res- that we show respect to each other is that we say, you know what, I'll even, I'll scale down my simcha so that you, because I can afford it, so that you who can't necessarily afford it don't feel the pressure. Wow, what an amazing thing that would be, that kind of an, a communal attitude, eh? Can you imagine if people were able to do that and say, I care about you enough as a fellow member of my community that I'm going to scale back the wonderful, incredible thing that I can afford to do. I'm not going to make it shemzich. It'll be a beautiful simcha. It just won't be as extravagant as I would have loved for it to have been so that you don't have to feel the pressure. Sure, I I think that that would be something that would change our community in the most magnificent, magnificent way. A lot of interesting comments coming through over here, and it's a pity that it's all the way at the end, but that often happens, right? So here's Leah on Twitter who says, I have just discussed this with my husband, and our conclusion is that as a society, yes, absolutely, absolutely, I suppose that we're living too extravagantly. Today we buy things online and get it delivered the next day. We go to the supermarket and get all kinds of foods, seasons, exotic foods, all kinds of restaurants, etc. We are a spoiled generation. We design and expect things that are way beyond what we need. Well, that could very well be true. I don't think anybody can really argue that, unfortunately. And, and not because we're bad people. This is not an indictment on us as people. It's just a recognition of what's actually happened. Here's somebody else who says, we have too much of everything and that has become the norm and it's unhealthy. Uh, here's Daniel who says, too much running around. That's similar to the one we had earlier about the packed schedules. Here is uh, Christian who says, absolutely, we are living too extravagantly. Lockdown has taught me this lesson. And Leslie says, also on Twitter, says, most definitely, yes. The less you have, the freer you are to focus on more beautiful things, such as spirituality and the wonder of nature. We treasure, we treasure things. My motto is never love anything that can't love you back. That's a nice motto. I think, uh, I think, look, You'll always have the debate between whether we should downsize and scale back our lives or not. I think that if a person is in a position that they can afford things, that is their own personal introspection. I can live a a luxurious life. Why shouldn't I? But specifically, if we can't, specifically if it's more than we can afford and we put ourselves under tremendous pressure, I really think we have a great opportunity to stop that now. I think it's a time to stop it. I think it's a long time coming. And it's really something that needs to be addressed. And it would be so healthy and so good for us as a society. We could reach a point where people would be comfortable enough in their own skin to say, I don't have to have what you have for me to be happy. I don't have to necessarily be on the front page of the society pages in order to have a good simcha. And if we could get that right, we'd be living in such a healthy place. Our simchas would be real. There'd be a far, far less of that envy and competition. We'd be tasting the time of Mashiach. Who knows? Maybe that in itself would get us to the time of Mashiach. Thanks for all the messages. Thanks for participating. It's always wonderful. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane.
and have a wonderful Shabbos.